Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. As we begin our, our teaching portion this morning, I, I want to talk about a topic that affects many of us, uh, potentially uh, on a frequent, maybe even weekly basis. Uh, I want to begin this morning talking about road rage. Uh, road rage uh, is defined as the anger or frustration we feel resulting from the stress from driving or operating a motor vehicle. Now, some of you are moaning and already uh, getting cross looks and elbows from people beside you. I don't know what that's about, but I see you, so you're welcome here. Uh, I just want to confess, I too sometimes struggle with road rage. Um, it seems unavoidable at times, right? Like you honk the horn, make the wild gestures, you raise your voice. Yes, it happens to me too. But let me, let me explain. Just give me a minute. Give me a minute. Uh, because the road rage I want to talk about this morning and, uh, is likely not what you're thinking or imagining on your daily commute down 33 or 340 or what have you. Uh, in fact, it doesn't involve other drivers at all. My biggest struggle with road rage and what I want to unpack today, uh, it turns me into the person I just described, honking the horn, yelling, wild gestures. It happens when I encounter squirrels on the road. <laughs> it happens when I encounter acorn-eating, fluffy-tailed kamikazes of the highway. Tree rats, <laughs> they're delicious with gravy. Uh, seriously though, I, I hate hitting things in the road, call me soft, whatever, I just don't like it. And it's that heart that causes me to get so angry with squirrels in the road. And you know what I'm talking about, uh, because you've seen it. You're driving down the road and you see a squirrel way up there, it's doing whatever it's doing in the road. And in your mind you're thinking, that guy has plenty of time to get out of the road. But they don't, do they? As you're barreling down on them, the squirrel finally looks up from whatever it's doing there in the middle of the road and decides it's going to act, and so it'll dart one direction into your mind. You go, oh, whew, he's out of here. And then he stops halfway through the next lane, right, and darts back the other way. You go, what are you doing? At least I do. That's when I start yelling. <laughs> honking the horn and so you're getting closer and closer you're just feet away and the squirrel has darted back and forth and finally just stopped and it, you're going uh, faster and it goes under the car and you start praying right like don't thump don't thump don't thump and then you hear it don't thump you're like come on if you would have just gotten out of the road so rather than having a remorseful heart about plummeting this poor squirrel I'm like yelling at this now deceased and flat critter it's like, if you would have just made up your mind and gotten out of the road, we wouldn't be here today. And we see a truth that the middle of the road is never a safe place to be. And at this point, you're wondering, Pastor, how much sweets have you had this morning? Hang with me. 
we'll get there. I want us to turn today to our teaching text in Revelation chapter 3. Revelation 3, we're going to begin in verse 14. Revelation 3, beginning in verse 14, says, To the angel in the church of Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Can you imagine hearing that from the Lord today? And if we were to pull back the curtain a little bit on the original language here, the English translation is really being PG rated because the original word there is a lot closer to what we would say, I am about to vomit you out of my mouth. Right? Can you imagine (laughs) those words from Jesus? Today, as we look at the church at Laodicea, we're going to hear some really hard words for a church who was stuck in the middle of the road. Now, to be sure, Jesus didn't have road rage, but rather he saw the danger ahead for these Christians who were living on again, off again Christianity, one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And just like we would wish that the kamikaze squirrels on the highway would decide one way or the other, Jesus wants the lukewarm Christians at the church at Laodicea to choose because the middle of the road is never a safe place to be. So serious is this condition of lukewarmness in the church, this middle-of-the-road life that Jesus says, I am about to spit you out of my mouth hard word today, friends. Let's continue at verse 17. But you say, I am, so so this this is the response of the church there. You can imagine Jesus is anticipating the response. You say, I am rich. I've acquired wealth and I don't need a thing. But you do not realize You don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Verse 19, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Today, we conclude our teaching series, uh, working through the seven churches of Revelation, uh, where we've studied Jesus' words to uh, uh, local bodies of believers in the first century in Asia Minor. And some of these words have been words of encouragement and perseverance, and others have been of stern rebuke and warning. But each message contained a hope-filled invitation to life 
in Jesus Christ. And I don't think it should be uh, lost on us today that uh, the Lord's last words to the last church here in Revelation 3 is filled with disgust and a warning about being lukewarm. Friends, we must look that truth head on today as we move to conclude our series. Jesus is knocking at the door, inviting us into relationship with him to be on fire for the Lord. We just sang that. And Jesus is inviting his church to be on fire for him. He says, here I am. Will we answer? Will we answer? Will we stop living our lives uncommitted like that squirrel in the middle of the road darting back and forth? Will we commit to the life that Jesus calls where we commit all of our mind, our soul, and our strength to loving him? Will we be all in? That's the question of the church at Laodicea. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word today, um, that you have preserved this, uh, written by John while he's exiled on an island thousands of years ago. Lord, we have it today. So Lord, thank you. And Lord, we believe in the power of your word. You are here. Your word says, here, here I am. And Lord, we say, here you are this morning. And so search our hearts, Lord. Search our hearts. Convince us. And yes, Lord, convict us in the areas of our lives where we have grown lukewarm. We love you today, Father, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. For many of the different messages we've covered in this series, it's a good reminder here at the conclusion to remember that these words are written to churches, uh, the gathered body of believers bearing Jesus' name. Uh, It it would be easy, uh, because of some of the hard words and some of the things we've unpacked, it would be easy to imagine that these messages were for someone out there. Uh, And so it's a good reminder, we should make no mistake that these are words for the church, the church people. And friends, everybody driving by on 340 right now calls us church people. These letters are for us. These letters are for us. The, The message to Laodicea begins with an affirmation and a testimony of the lordship of Jesus in his resurrected glory. And and again, that reminds us that from beginning to end, Revelation is a Jesus letter. And there is great hope in that truth for us today, friends. Verse 15 begins uh, to unpack the matters of the lukewarm church, and that's where we're going to dive in. Verse 15, he says, uh, I know your deeds. So this church is known by Jesus. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. Uh, Laodicea, uh, for all of its wealth, all of its extravagance, they did not have the essentials of good, clean drinking water. Uh, They had constructed uh, open troughs and aqueducts to funnel water from miles away to sustain life within the city. Uh, And as the water traveled that distance, it would become warm and dirty, and it picked up mineral deposits. Like, I mean, if you're from Rockingham, we understand hard water. Uh, But by the time it got to Laodicea, it was dirty and, and very hard, and the temperature on the mineral content actually made some people sick. And it's that water, it's that reality that Jesus begins comparing the church, the Christians in Laodicea, to their drinking water situation. Verse 16, Jesus continues, he says, So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, we could all agree that ice water on a hot day 
uh, or in a hot church service. There's nothing more refreshing than a glass of ice water. Hot water uh, used for cooking and, and a good hot shower, and if you pour hot water over coffee beans, it produces this magic juice called coffee. Like we have a use for cold and hot water, but lukewarm water? Eliza's kind of taught us a new word here of late for things she doesn't like. She says, yucca. That to me is lukewarm water. Yucca. And friends, that's the reaction. Yucca is the disgusted reaction to half committed Christians that Jesus sees in Laodicea. To be lukewarm spiritually uh, is to be in the middle of the road like that crazed squirrel darting back and forth, on again, off again, uncommitted to any one direction or the other. It's a picture of a fluctuating soul seeking a, a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of fulfillment from the world. It's playing both parts. It's not committed to follow Jesus exclusively, yet it's not committed to deny him completely, the fluctuating, lukewarm soul stuck in the middle of the road. Jesus says of lukewarm believers, I am about to spit you or vomit you out of my mouth. And here's a warning that Jesus is issuing to this first century church and that we get to listen in on that he's about to be completely done these lukewarm believers if something doesn't change. He continues in verse 17. He says, but, but you say, so the, the response, the rebuttal, if you will, of the, the Christians here at Laodicea, you say, I am rich. I've acquired wealth. I don't need a thing. But Jesus says, but you do not realize you don't see before you that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. The, the city at Laodicea, like their claim to fame was wealth. That was what they were known for throughout the region. They were very wealthy. In uh, 60 AD, the city was uh, decimated, devastated by an earthquake. And in the midst of those rebuilding efforts for the city, uh, uh, the Roman emperor actually offered assistance to the town, and they refused it because they didn't need it. Now, I don't know how wealthy a community has to be to refuse free money from the government. I'm guessing it's a lot. But there was, we see here in that truth that Laodicea was a wealthy, self-sufficient, and self-confident people. And that attitude had made its way into the church and into the relationship with Jesus. Their on-again, off-again lifestyle with Christ, dabbling in the church and dabbling in the world, maybe it hadn't turned out so bad for them. Maybe it hadn't turned out so bad. No major consequences had come up, so what's the big deal? But Jesus cuts across that assessment. He says, you don't realize. You can't see. You're blinded by the wealth of the world and the extravagance and your half-heartedness. You don't see it. You don't see the reality that you are wretched and pitiful and poor and naked before. And friends, this, this hits on a truth that we've seen throughout the seven churches study, that there can be a very stark difference in how we assess ourselves and how Jesus sees us. There can be a stark difference in what we see in ourselves and what Jesus sees. And he's confronting the church in Laodicea because they're a distracted and blinded people that doesn't realize their state. And he says, you don't see it. 
you don't see that you're distracted, that wealth and health and fashion has taken you away from me. And friends, that phenomenon is not far from us today. Um, I, I got a clip from a, a movie, uh, it's called God's Not Dead. But this scene gives us just a glimpse of how this can creep into our lives. I don't even know what I'm doing here. I mean, it's not like you even know who I am. You prayed and believed your whole life. Never done anything wrong. And here you are. You're the nicest person I know. I am the meanest. You have dementia. My life is perfect. Explain that to me. Sometimes the devil allows people to live a life free of trouble because he doesn't want them turning to God. Your sin is like a jail cell except it's all nice and comfy and there doesn't seem to be any need to leave. The door is wide open. Till one day, time runs out. The cell door slams shut. And suddenly, it's too late. Who did you say you were? The danger of the lukewarm life being stuck in the middle of the road is that it blinds us to see our true spiritual state. And one day the door slams shut and it's too late. The church, it seems that Laodicea what was giving their lives to the pursuit of worldly things, and they were quite successful at it. Any one of them could have said, my life is perfect. Perhaps it seemed like they had it all. Focused on these things, uh, you know, the health, the wealth, the fashion of the region, the white picket fence and the two-car garage and the trampoline out back for the kids. However, in the pursuit of that life, they became blinded to their true spiritual condition. They didn't know they were lukewarm. And Jesus is calling them before it's too late. He says in verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. 
to the people who thought they had it all, that thought life was going perfect. Jesus says, come to me and find out what you really need. And we see this truth that Jesus alone, Christ alone is the answer to their lukewarm state. He alone provides the life that they need. I don't think it's hard to imagine today that as this letter is being read in the first century church, perhaps by candlelight as they've gathered in a room, I don't think it's hard to imagine there weren't many smiles left in the room at this point. Remember, because th- this church, these, these were people who at one time or another knew and loved Jesus and followed after him, and in, in one way they kind of do now. But these people have just sat through hearing uh, uh, everything they prized and pursued in their lives was distracting them from pursuing Jesus, and he calls it disgusting. They were a banking center because of their wealth, yet they're counseled to buy gold tried in the fire. They had a a famous eye clinic that produced a salve believed to to help vision that people came from all over to get it, yet they're told to anoint their eyes with salve that he can provide so that they might see. They prided themselves uh, in expensive black wool garments, and, and they wore it as a status symbol, as a symbol of their wealth and their status and pride, and yet he says, you need to come to me and buy white garments to cover yourself. They considered themselves to have arrived, yet the word Laodicea means a people judged. Put yourself in their shoes for a moment. Put yourself hearing these words. Can you imagine the Lord looking at what you prize in your life and what you've given your pursuit to? Maybe it's, it's that career, that job you love, uh, working so many hours of overtime. You love it. You're passionate about it, climbing that ladder, trying to find that next thing, the next bigger house or vacation. Yet Jesus comes and says, but it's made you lukewarm. You've made that pursuit Lord of your life and not me. Can you imagine how that would feel? Can you imagine uh, you've, you've poured yourself out for this or that sports season, practice every day and in games all over, you've, you've lived for it, but Jesus comes and says, but I know, but it's taken you away from me. That's become Lord of your life and not me. Can you imagine Jesus and how hard it would be hearing him uh, bring in a relationship with that boyfriend or that girlfriend that may, you, you know you're not right for one another, but you just keep going back there because somewhere inside you say it's better than being alone. But Jesus, with compassionate eyes, looks and says, Fred, I know that pain, but that relationship is becoming your idol and it's taking you away from me. Can you imagine how that feels? They'd be devastated <laughs> under the weight. But look what Jesus says next. At that point of feeling maybe like it was hopeless. The letter to the church in Laodicea turned sharply and in such a way that it would make them feel as if they were being pulled back from the rim of hell itself. He says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. The turning point of this letter from that depth of, of, of conviction and just 
trying to process what Jesus says, it turns on three words, I love you. I love you. To those facing the reality of hearing that they're lukewarm in the middle of the road, Christians feeling the weight of that conviction, Jesus says, those that I love, I rebuke and discipline. Those that I love. And so, friends, if you're here today and you're hearing this and processing and you're feeling the weight of that conviction, that convincing of the Spirit, realizing that you're in that cooled off or lukewarm state, hear these words today. I love you. I love those whom I rebuke and discipline. Those are words of invitation. Those are words of hope today, friends, to those who are lukewarm. God disciplines and rebukes those he loves. And parents, like, don't we live this all the time? Like, you, you want to train up your children to be safe, to prosper in life, and so we hold their hands before we go into parking lots. We pull them back from hot stoves. It's not because we hate them. It's because we love them. We want to see them grow and flourish. And so it is with the heavenly father, those whom he loves. He lets them know they're wrong. He convinces them of their sins and he disciplines them that they might train and grow in his likeness and live a flourishing life in God's kingdom. He's inviting us today to repent, to make a change, to get out of the road and all in with him. Be earnest and repent. So friend, if you're feeling that weight today, if you feel that conviction on your chest, don't miss this moment. Be earnest and repent. Stop living that double life and go all in. Jesus says, here I am. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens that door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Friends, is there any more of an inviting, encouraged, compassionate word from the Lord? Here I am. Here I am. I'm standing at the threshold of your life and I'm knocking. The hard news in that moment is that he is on the outside of your life, but the good news is that he is knocking, desiring to come in and be Lord of your life. Will you let him in? Will you let him in? Look what he promises. Look, he says, to the one who will open the door, I will come. Not I'll form a committee and we'll take a vote and then we'll talk about it. Not I might come. He says, those who will open the door to me, I will come. That's good news, friends. That's good news. This passage began with a vivid and harsh warning about neither being hot or cold and and the reality that Jesus is about to vomit them out of their mouth and it ends with an invitation to feast with him. Revelation is a Jesus letter. It screams, here I am. Here I am. Will you open the door today? Will you open the door? As the band makes their way forward, as I was preparing and studying this week, and yes, thinking about squirrels in the road and my anger issues with them, 
uh, I was struck by a conundrum in this text. Like, there's just a, a question here that stands out to me, and so I'm going to bring you in and share that with you and just see what you think. Let, let's go back to verse 17 and 18, and I'll show you what I mean. So verse 17, this, remember, is the people's response to Jesus' words that they are lukewarm. This is their response. You say, I am rich. I'm rich. I've acquired wealth, and I don't need a thing. They couldn't see. They were blinded by the pursuits of the world. They couldn't see their true state. You don't realize. In reality, in the eyes of the one who sees every heart, Jesus says, you are actually wretched, poor, pitiful, blind, and naked. Friends, what Jesus says is the authority of our lives. And this honest assessment of the lukewarm, squirrel-in-the-road Christian, it's living a little bit for God and a little bit of what I want to do because I'm not there yet. Because this feels good and I want to. The lukewarm Christian is faithful church attendance on Sunday and gossip on Monday at the water cooler. Singing praise on Sunday and little white lies on Tuesday. A little bit in and a little bit out. It's praying in group on Sunday, but behind our computer or our phone in a dark room on Friday night. Jesus says, you don't realize, you can't see the way things actually are. You see the wealth and the extravagance, but I see the truth. I see the truth, the way things actually are. They're miserable and poor. But look at what Jesus says next. So that's the reality, miserable and poor. But he says, I counsel you to buy from me, buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shame and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. So here's my conundrum. The honest assessment of the people in the lukewarm state is that they're poor, wretched, and miserable. How are they going to afford and buy gold? And white clothes? What are they going to pay with? Now, look, this is imagery. It's metaphor. But work with me. If the true assessment of the lukewarm Christian in this text is that they're poor and miserable and wretched, but yet Jesus says, you need to buy the things from me for life. Lord, what am I going to pay with? What am I going to pay with? We see in that truth that Jesus wants our wretched, poor, and miserable selves. What else can you give but yourself? You're broke, <laughs> right? That's the text. But he says, come and buy from me. All we have to give is all of ourselves. And friends, the beautiful truth today is that's the answer to the lukewarm life is to bring all of who you are and bring it into devotion and relationship with Jesus. And the good news, that's all he ever wanted was you. And the lukewarm life pushes back on that by keeping a little bit of me. I'm going to be on the throne of my life. I'm going to call the shots about work. I'm going to call the shots about relationships. I'm going to call the shots. That's the miserable, poor, and wretched life. The antidote is you bring all of your life humbly before him and you say, Jesus, here I am. 
be Lord of my life. Be all in. Friends, that's what it is to get out of the road and find safety in Jesus. When Jesus wanted to sum up all the law and the prophets, he said two things. The first command that he gave, you know what it is. Love the Lord God with all. He could have stopped right there. (laughs) That's the answer. Love the Lord God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Do you get it? That it's all. It's not one foot in the world and one foot in the church. It's all in. That's the call, friends. Will you answer today? Jesus convinces, he convicts those he loves. And yes, he disciplines those he loves. I've been enough discipline. It ain't fun when it happens, right? But the training and the life it produces is worth it. Will you bring yourself before the one who stands at the door and knocks? I would invite you to bow your heads this morning. Love the Lord God with all. step out of the road today, friends, and step into all. (laughs) You see, the Laodiceans, the the, the issue, the the core issue wasn't that they had wealth and resources or that they had really nice black suits or or that they had fitness centers. The, The issue is that they had idolized those things. They had become their pursuit, and it blinded them to the true condition of their lives. And friends, that still happens to us today. And it's moments like this that Jesus stands at the threshold of our lives saying, here I am. Will you let me in? I will come. I will come. Friends, if that's you today, if you're sensing that call, that weight, don't run. Answer the door. Bring all of who you are, all of yourself, bring it before him and say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. I want more of you. And friends, repentance is is turning away from our old life and turning to him. Uh, There's things we have to do, but it begins with coming before him in a heart full of humility saying, yes, Lord, I want you. Will you let him in today? Will you let him in? Father in heaven, we hear you knocking. We thank you that you are here. We thank you, Lord, that you convince, convict, and discipline those that you love. So the message of that weight we feel this morning is a message from you saying, I love you. Will you let me come? Will you let me come? And Lord, there is nothing in this world that we can cling to that is more valuable and precious than you. We want 
you to be Lord of our lives. Search our hearts today. Show us any way, any place that has cooled off, that has distracted us from you. Friends, today I would invite you, if you want to pray, if you want to continue in that heart posture of prayer, come make this front row of chairs an altar. Don't miss this moment to answer the call of the one who loves you. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.